Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. This is episode 32. This is Wednesday, March 30th, 2016. I'm your host, Eric Clark. Uh, thanks again for joining me on another episode. Um, trying to get consistent with these again, so off to, uh, off to a good start so far. This, this week's topic of discussion um, is interesting. Just a little prefacing on it. I went um, fishing the other day, and after I was fishing, I realized, like... Oh man, I felt so good. I felt rejuvenated, um, relieved of all my stress. Everything just felt better. I felt better about everything. Um, and I and I told my fiance actually. I said, uh, you know, I really think I feel like I went to like a therapy session. And so that kind of sparked the the topic for this week. And to be honest, one of the hardest thing the hardest things about this podcast isn't the technology stuff or um, the time consumption or the preparation or anything like that. It's simply thinking of of a valuable topic that people give a crap about. Um, so this would be a good excuse for your, you know, your loved ones, wives, fiancés, girlfriends, whatever. When they say, why do you got to go hunting all the time? You can tell them it relieves stress and they'd rather you go than not because they don't want you to be stressed out. So that said, hunting is therapy. And, uh, what I've kind of discovered is it's a combination of combining time and timelessness. So it's kind of a weird statement, right? Combining time and timelessness, the facts, um, it almost feels like when we go hunting or spend a gratuitous amount of time outdoors, whether it's hunting or fishing, I'm going to focus on hunting because it's a hunting channel, but uh, realistically, it could be the case that it's fishing or spending any time outdoors, but um, it's almost like we go into a time warp or a wormhole or something like that, and so much time flies by that you don't even realize it. So, you know, you're, you're combining all this time that flies by, but it's timeless. It doesn't feel like anything's that you're... That you're um, you know, when you're at work, you count the minutes sometimes if you're not busy. If you are, that's a different story, but it's stressful. Um, hunting isn't stressful. It's so it's one of those things, you know, you take in the sounds, the scents, you feel the wind, um, you smell the pine trees, you know, you look at the birds and, and the different types of uh, wildlife, squirrels, chipmunks, that kind of stuff. And we activate all these ancient senses that um, we haven't used in such a long time when we're outside in the woods or in the field or whatever it might be, but we lose one sense, um, the sense of time. So it's kind of funny, you know, we always have that, uh, if you've ever fished or whatever, you know, you always have one more cast, one more cast, one more cast, and suddenly a whole hour goes by, um, you know, so five hours can feel like a couple minutes. And there's no more stress in relation to, uh, you know, not enough time in the day or whatever. There's not enough time to get things done. You don't have that when you're hunting. The only thing that you're really adhering to is the sunset typically. So, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing. 
you're, you're losing the sense of time. Um, and we become more centered and relaxed when we're out in the woods hunting. So again, it's, it really is a stress reliever. It's like a, a mini therapy session. I have a couple more facts on this topic in general. Um, this will be a pretty quick episode, but hunting serves as an outlet for stress and tension. This is allegedly, um, I don't have hard data to back this up. I couldn't find the source. However, uh, allegedly violent crime rates decrease in areas um, where hunting license sales go up. So I don't know if that's correlation or causation. Um, I beg to differ that it's the, uh, the latter, um, that people that do go hunting are likely to be less violent because there's an outlet for things. Not to say that you're doing horrible things or anything like that. You know, we're not out hunting to kill. And I think there's a big misconception. In fact, some of my research on this topic was a little lopsided on the other, on the other side of the fence where people are saying animals are stressed out because of hunters and you're ruining the lives of animals. And like, well, that's damn it. That's not what I'm looking for. (laughs) So, um, and that's kind of a preposterous thing because that's just how animals have always been stressed. Deer have always been hunted. That's the way they're built the way they are because they've always been hunted um, since the beginning of time, you know, before before people started hunting them. So it's probably actually good for the animal, I would, I would argue, in terms of conservationism. So, you know, that's one of those things. It's interesting. It's almost like the uh, concealed carry. States where people do carry, there's less crime. So, again, you, can't, you combine that with a state where there's a lot of hunting and crime rates decrease too, allegedly. So... Um, there's a book too, that was referenced in a different article that I found called the paleolithic prescription. And that book states that our hunting instinct has gone awry in civilized society. And I'm quoting here, uh, where the thrill of the chase and the kill are no longer part of our experience. And there are no clear avenues of expression, except perhaps to our peril in the streets of the streets and subways of today's urban jungles. Um, and that's kind of off the same, the same kind of, uh, line of thought that, you know, there's so much more crime because, uh, we're not we're not finding any sort of outlet to deal with our a our stress or b the the fact that that's how we used to live. We used to always hunt and gather, you know, um, things of that nature, and that's why it's called the Paleolithic prescription. So it's kind of going back to civil uh, uncivilized times, but um, maybe we were more civilized back then. And then some sub, sub <laughs> some subjective considerations, and they could be considered objective depending on who's listening. But uh, you know, honestly, just it simply gives you time to clear your mind. You know, you're sitting out there and you're thinking about, you know, the things that are important to you in your life. If you have some sort of major decision you're going to make or something that's, you know, um, caused disruption in your life, whether it's been a loss or something like that, you get to clear all that stuff out. It, it puts you back to neutral. If you don't take those moments in life to kind of regenerate yourself and re- reinvigorate your mind, um, you end up spinning your wheels and everything else that you're doing. So kind of breaking away is a pretty big deal. You know, um, some people do go to therapy and that's, that's fine. They have nothing to do with hunting and maybe they've never been taught about the outdoors or they had no one to show them. It is what it is. But realistically, honestly, there, there absolutely is a, a, um, causation with hunting and the fact that it does relieve stress and is the equivalent to a therapy session. Um, you're, you're not rushing for anything. There's absolutely no rush. There's no schedule. There's no deadlines. You know, nature moves at its own pace and you're slowing down to observe nature and you're living in, in its confines. Um, I, I think my favorite, my personal favorite thing about hunting, if, if you care to hear it, is, you know, we're always driving on the freeway and uh, we're down the roads and, and we're in vehicles. So your windows are up in the wintertime. You're not, you're not tuned in to anything. You're tuned into the radio. You're tuned in your cell phone. You're tuned in all this other crap. 
and uh, you're blown by the world at 60, 60 plus miles per hour. When you go into the woods, everything else moves around you, not the other way around. And that's, that's pretty special when, when the woods kind of come to life and you see that there's other things in the world that are important. Um, and, and kind of soaking that in is a, is a pretty big factor into why I like this topic. Um, and there's, another, there's one other book or uh, article that, was, that I'm going to reference here. It's called Inhuman Dimensions of Wildlife. And a guy named John Daigle, I'm going to spell this or pronounce that wrong, it's D-A-I-G-L-E for whatever it's worth, reported that, quote, experiencing solitude, time to think, relaxing and relieving stress and getting exercise and staying in shape, end quote, were significant outcomes, among other factors, associated with hunting. So again, it's just like this, um, you know, rejuvenating process of the mind and spirit and the body, um, you know, to further my point. There's such a movement now towards being organic or green and uh, living a healthy lifestyle, being conscious of uh, what conscious of what you're putting in your body and things like that. I hear all this kind of talk and, you know, hunting is an organic lifestyle. The meat from hunting doesn't go through the chemical related processes of grocery store um, domestic meats. You know, you, you, you go kill it yourself. It's lean meat. It's, it's, free, it's free range, you know, free range protein. And, and additionally, the benefit of uh, it, it gives you the benefit of being a do-it-yourselfer. It creates pride and satisfaction, similar to growing your own garden. Um, you know, another another mental health benefit is sense of accomplishment. You know, you did something. You provided for you and or your family, and you 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 did it all on your own. Um, that's a pretty big deal. It's a it's a really good feeling to have that. I take my deer to the butcher most years, but there was one there was one year where I, I don't have a lot of time. Um, I work full-time, I go to school full-time, and I try to do this in my spare time, which isn't much. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be done with school here pretty soon. I'm very excited about that. But one year, I, I you know, because I was a college student um, and I wasn't working as much as I am now, I, I didn't have a lot of money, so I, I decided to butcher my my first, my first or not the first year I got, but I, I did my first butchering of a deer that I got. And it took me it took me a while because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but that satisfaction of learning how to do that, um, reaping the benefits of myself, uh, going through the process made me appreciate the meat that I was you know, ingesting or sharing or, or not sharing for that matter because I worked really hard to, to produce that meat that particular year. Um, gave me uh, a whole different understanding or perception of you know um, eating green or healthy or organic and all that stuff. You know, when you have a connection with where the food comes from, it, it means something different to you than just you know, uh, get it from the grocery store and pick it up. You have no idea where it came from or even worse, fast food or restaurants. There's a very big disconnect with that kind of stuff. This is a different topic. So I've kind of deviated a little bit. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get on to the, to the next topic here, which is our tip of the week. The next topic, uh, the tip of the week, recycling tactics and work, um, using, using deer hunting tactic tactics for turkey hunting. It's, it's interesting. Um, it seems to be the case that when I'm, that when I'm deer hunting, I almost always, always see turkeys. Uh, a friend of mine who I think is watching calls them jungle monsters. They scared the living shit out of him one time when he was walking in the woods. He hadn't hunted before and it was his first time. And he's like, this big freaking thing came, came down. I don't know what the hell it was. It was still dark out and, you know, scared the crap out of me. It turns out it was a big turkey coming out of roost, you know? Um, so if you've never hunted in the woods before, you know, that's just something that happens that again, you're learning, you're learning how to connect with nature and, and the wildlife and kind of realize there's more going on than you might think. But nonetheless, whenever I'm deer hunting, I see turkey and I've always heard people say, no, I haven't turkey hunted yet. And I really, really, really want to do it. I just need to find someone to go with that can show me the ropes, so to speak. But from what I understand, it's more interactive. But a lot of the turkey hunters that I have talked to, which most people that I know deer hunt do both, um, 
say that they see deer when they're turkey hunting. So it might, it might behoove us to kind of implement some of the same tactics when we're, when we're deer hunting towards turkey hunting. And I talk about turkey hunting because it's coming up really soon here in April, April 11th, I think is the spring opener for turkey hunting, if I'm not mistaken. Now, in relation to this, I came across another, an interesting article uh, from Outdoor News, and I, I had to just simply talk about it because basically, um, who posted this article? I don't see an author here, but it doesn't matter. It says, maybe deer hunters can learn from turkey hunters, and it's not in the way that I was just talking about a second ago. It's talking about our perception and perspective of, of how we carry ourselves as turkey hunters rather than deer hunters or vice versa. So let me find the quote that I wanted to reference here real quick. There are concerns by some actually worries that turkey hunters might develop the same trophy only ideas that prevail among deer hunters. In other words, turkey hunters tend to be more passionate about the hunt rather than being passionate about uh, a trophy turkey or even killing a turkey at all. Um, which is really interesting if you, if you stop for a second and think about that. Turkey hunters are more passionate about the hunt rather than um, passionate about the trophy which deer hunting has kind of progressed that way. There's reasons why that may or may not be the case. However, um, the, the writer here says, I recall reading a lead sentence about opening day of gun deer season a few years ago. It said something like, quote, a hunter pulled into the registration station uh, and what he had in the back of his pickup was not something he had to be ashamed, to be ashamed of. Translation, hunters should be and some are ashamed of bringing an antlerless deer, even a buck with a small rack to be registered. According to the newspaper reporter, I hope she was not a hunter herself. Basically saying, you know, I, I think we've had that feeling. I, I'm a public land hunter, obviously. I think anyone that's tuned in this channel knows that. Um, but there's there's been times you pull into the registration station, which isn't going to be a thing anymore as of last year. So this is a little bit dated. Um, but then you're driving home on the freeway. You're, you're trying to look into that, you know, that truck bed right next to yours to see, holy shit, look at those antlers on that thing. Um, and you feel like, man, I didn't, I didn't get one like that. You know, that sucks. And everyone has their, their good years and bad years. It's not, it's not guaranteed. So that's called hunting and there's private landowners and, you know, and there's public land hunters and there's some variations of where people are getting their deer from. Um, some of, some people do, you know, the food plots and things like that. But apparently they're saying with turkey hunting, there isn't, there, there is, um, no animosity that way. There's no remorse or, or not remorse, um, regret or feeling like I didn't get the big turkey. You're really just excited about the experience This, from what this article says. And I never stopped to think about that. And I find that interesting. So when people say like turkey hunting is more interactive, um, there is maybe a bit more of a thrill to the hunt because the animal isn't a trophy. It's not majestic. It's not as large as a deer. It's not as beautiful or curious or interesting, so to speak. They're kind of ugly. I mean, they have the freaking weird beards and talons and all that stuff. So, um, you know, maybe it is just about, hey, I freaking got one or I got to, I, I came close or one called back, things like that. So honestly, I'm pretty, pretty excited to try turkey hunting, hopefully um, sooner than later here. All right. So in the news is the next segment. Uh, and, and this week in the news, I have for the topic, what's up with Wapaka? Huh? What the frick is going on with Wapaka? Well, there's uh, some preliminary recommendations um, that the antlerless deer quota regulations for 2016, uh, the 2016 hunting season is saying that, uh, it's not, it's not gone in, it's not approved yet. It's not, it's not official, but there's talks of, um, an antlerless only hunting season for just Wapaka. And if, impl if implemented, hunters would be allowed to shoot only antlerless deer this year in all bow and gun seasons in one of the state's top deer hunting counties. 
So the, the DNR is stating that the goal, and it says obviously, is to take more female deer and reduce the rep- reproductive capacity of the herd. People aren't harvesting the does, and this is the only tool we have that might work. And as far as I understand from what I've looked at, uh, Wapaka is a, it's a, it's a private land, primarily a private land um, county, and it's one of the best county, counties to hunt in the state, but there's a lot of private land. So it really kind of begs the question as to what these private land owners are doing. I'd be curious to know more about it. I don't, I don't know a whole lot. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ever state to be the expert on any particular topic, but I really just want to create conversations around some of these things. And there's a lot, a lot of feedback around this particular topic. It's a very heated subject um, matter. So there's a lot of fodder on our Facebook page when I posted the the actual newspaper clip um, about this. So I'd be curious to see what you all have to say about it, uh, what you know about it, how you feel about it. If you're private landowners, if you're hunting public land, what public land is available up there and how that's going to impact the public land hunters and things like that. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on with all that. And really it came from the, the CDAC, which is the County Deer Advisory Council. Um, and oddly enough, the preliminary recommendations are, they already have like, the DNR already has a graphic I'm looking at on my computer right now. Um, DNR w, dnr.wy.gov slash a whole bunch of crap um, that I'm not going to spit off on this podcast. But yeah, there's literally a new um, map legend with an antlerless only all seasons and literally the only the only county affected by it is Wapaka. That's it. So they made a whole new um, icon for the map legend just for this one thing. I'm willing to bet that this sticks. That's interesting. It's a pretty bold move. Um and some of the some of the other things around us, people are saying like I can't even we can't grow trees in Wapaka because the herd's out of control. I mean, I don't know. It seems kind of weird, but it's interesting. There's a lot going on. The, the, a lot has changed in the last couple of years. You know, uh, we started we started where to hunt in 2011, and even since then, it's like man, so much has changed, and it's keep it continues to change so rapidly. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see where a lot of the stuff ends up in the next couple of years. So. That said, that is that is what I have for for today's show. Um, you know how how, do you, how can you get in touch with W uh, W two H or Where to Hunt? You can email me personally at where the number two the word hunt wi at gmail dot com. Uh, there's a Facebook page facebook dot com slash where do hunt Wisconsin and Twitter which is at w the number two the word hunt. Uh, check out our app, wheretohuntapp.com. It's an app to see where other hunters are. Put a lot of work, time, and energy, and passion into that thing. I believe in it. I think it's, uh, you know, if it's not me, it's someone else. It's going to happen. Technology is making its way into the hunting industry. Like, there's no tomorrow. So, um, you know, I have a lot of good faith in, in how I'm rolling that out. And and just as a, re- a recap, hunting is therapy. It really is. There's no two ways about it. Um, I have a lot of supporting evidence for that as you've, as you've all listened in. And, uh, you know, tip of the week, recycling tactics that work on on deer likely will work on turkey as we're getting ready for turkey season. And, um, you know, stay excited about the hunt. Don't don't get too caught up in the the, the trophy or whatever it might be. Could learn something from turkey hunters or deer hunting. And then uh, we'll pack it. We'll see how that how that pans out for this year. But that's it. So thanks for for tuning in and listening. I appreciate everyone on the live feed here and uh, have a great day. I am safe.